Welcome to the Talk It Over podcast. I'm Khalees Harris. And I'm Jelly Frigo. This is episode five. 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 And guess what? We got five more to go. Ooh. Till the season's over. Yeah. That's exciting. So, like the title says, we got Brevin Galloway. Um, if you don't know Brevin well, he's a Clemson basketball player. He, his first year, he played at Charleston. Mm-hmm. Second year, he played at Boston College. And yes, then sir. he is now here in his seventh year at Clemson. Clemson. That's tough. So if you guys want to hear more about his journey, stay tuned. This is a, this is a good one. No, this is a good one. This is my favorite so far. I really, uh, I really mess with Brevin. He's tough. Yeah. Yeah, so we really enjoyed this one, and we hope you guys enjoy it too. Thank you. All right, I want to first start off saying thank you, Brevin, for you know joining us. This is a, uh, a pleasure. We actually just started this podcast, so I really appreciate that, that you were one of the first people to respond to my message. Oh, yeah, man, I'm excited. I love to talk, so I'm ready for it. Right. So can you just introduce yourselves and tell us a little about you? Yeah, so I'm um, Brevin Galloway. I'm originally from Anderson, South Carolina. Uh, spent, this has been my seventh year in college basketball, crazy story. Uh, my first five years at College of Charleston. Spent last year at Boston College, and now I'm going to finish my final year at Clemson. Uh, so it's been a crazy journey. Um, I'm really excited for it. I've learned a lot throughout the whole experience, the adversity, the ups and downs. Um, yeah, so, I mean, that's pretty much just like a little something on me, and obviously we'll dive into that, I'm sure, as we go along this podcast. For sure. How many times have you been injured? I got hurt my red shirt freshman year. I tore my hamstring, and then I tore my ACL my senior year. Yeah. yeah. Then I tore my meniscus my this past year. Yeah. Dang. So yeah. Injuries, yeah. You Before you got injured um, in your 2020-2021 season, you were averaging 15 points, three rebounds, and uh, 2.8 assists per game. So, like, you were on, you were on a roll, obviously. And then you got that first injury, which was your hamstring. So how did that feel, you know, mid-season that you were just? Well, my first year, actually, my hamstring was kind of weird because I wasn't playing as it is. Oh. Like, my first I kind of was, like, I think I maybe logged, like, 30 minutes all season long. So once I tore my hamstring around Christmas break, it was just like, fuck it. We might as well just call it call it a year just because like, I wasn't playing. And obviously, I needed to go through the rehab process and all that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. So... Um, that, that obviously was upsetting, but at the same time, really wasn't that upsetting as my ACL injury because the ACL injury was obviously crucial just because as my senior year, um, I waited my time. And like you said, like my stats were decent. My first four games were really great. Um, and I felt like I was setting myself up for a good year and then my leg just snapped and kind of, but I mean, it ended up being a blessing in disguise. You know, I'm back home at Clemson, probably one of the best spots to be in the country, uh, academically and basketball wise. So I'm excited to finish it out the right way. Hopefully I'll be able to be healthy and finish it out strong. So that ACL, so how did that um, injury happen? So the ACL, well, long backstory, I ended up gaining a whole bunch of weight because of COVID. COVID had us out of the gym for, we were in Charleston maybe from like March till September. I wasn't able to get into the gym. I didn't have access to the facility at all. Um, I started working at a restaurant as a delivery driver. So obviously I just had easy access to food all the time. Uh, Ended up gaining like maybe 25, 30 pounds. And a lot of that stuff just came from, like, anxiety and depression, too, just because, like, obviously, you know, life was just up in the air at that point. I really didn't know what to expect. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, so when the season hit, uh, it was my senior year. I kind of, like, I, I was entitled. I felt like I had waited my time finally, and I felt like I had the green light. Like, coach trusted me, believed in me, et cetera. 
Um, so I was kind of lazy in my approach to the, you know, the offseason stuff, the, like the preseason workouts. I really wasn't locked in and stuff like that. So first three games happened. I'm feeling good. I'm like, hell yeah, I had my career high. Played in North Carolina. Played, had a good showing against them. Um, then, like, it's crazy because, like, the play before I tore my ACL, my coach looked at me and was just like, you looking like an NBA player. And then, I kid you not, 30 seconds later, the leg snapped. Mm. And I was dang. But at the same time, when I look back at it, like, I didn't do anything to deserve that shine or the spotlight or nothing like that just because I didn't put the work in beforehand. And, you know, where I'm at now is pretty much like what I'm like, I'm using everything, all the mistakes I made previously, I'm going to make sure not to make those mistakes this year to make sure this goes as planned. So hopefully we'll be able to finish it right. Yeah. I recently actually just tore my ACL um, first week of practice, so I couldn't play. So I understand how that feels when you, I was working all summer and then bang, first week of practice, it happened. So what do you have for, you know, young student athletes or even like student athletes at college level? What kind of motivation do you have? I think the biggest thing is just like running your own race. As And, and as cliche as it sounds, like I used to hate hearing that growing up, like just be patient, like stay, like uh, enjoy the process, trust the process, this and that, blah, blah, blah. Because a lot of stuff, like especially nowadays with social media and how like the climate of everything, everybody wants instant gratification and they want to be able to get success immediately. And that's just not how it is. Like, I, hopefully I get what I want, but it's been seven years of me being in school for it. Mm-hmm. And my story is just like to teach other. That's what I want to pretty much just show the message that like, you know what, you can do it. It may take a little bit of time. You may have to go through, through some adversity and some challenges and problems or whatever, but at the end of the day, as long as you don't quit and keep going, like you can still get what you want to get out of it. So I think the biggest thing is just running your own race, not really being, not really being, not trying to compare yourself to others, like not really focused on the, the end result, just kind of just building better habits on a day-to-day basis. And then eventually things will add up and hopefully you'll get the results you want to. So you said you gained at least 20, 30 pounds. How did you lose that weight? Were you working Straight. out today? I ate Chipotle frequently, like, I got up to Boston. It's wild though. I got up to Boston last summer. I stepped on the scale like my first day. I was like, oh, obviously I gained weight and I had surgery. Then I gained more weight mm-hmm. on top of that because I was lazy and obviously in bed ridden. So I ended up getting to Boston College. I was like 262. I think that's what I weighed in at. So I weighed, I was playing at like 240 in Charleston. And then I weighed in at Boston College at like 262. So obviously that was just miserable. And that was like probably one of the worst things of my life. Um, so then I ended up just, once I got up there, I kind of locked in. Uh, met with our strength and conditioning coach and our nutritionist kind of formulated like a little plan. Um, and I'm like a very, very, what's the word? Addictive. I have, a, I have an addictive personality. So once I stick to something, I'm going to do it a lot. Mm-hmm. And Chipotle was just the easiest thing. It was like kind of like a meal prep, but obviously it was easy. I can just walk in and say what I want. Um, and I didn't have to worry about doing anything on my half or putting in any, any extra effort. So I was like, that's the method I'm going to take. And like I did it for like the first month. I lost like 20 pounds and I was just drinking water. And obviously I was still like, but the thing is I wasn't killing myself. Most people try to like, you can't have any sweets, you can't have any soda, this and that. Like I was still enjoying it, but at the same time, limited my portions compared to what I used to eat. So Chipotle helped out a lot. Chick-fil-A's grilled nuggets helped out. And other than that, I pretty much was it. Up North, they didn't really have a lot of fast food. So I kind of was just stuck with those two options. How long was like the process of like losing all that weight? The process I started... I got to Boston like middle of June. So I probably, it's wild. I probably lost about like 40 to 50 pounds within like, ah, damn, it really sounds unhealthy whenever I speak out loud about it. But like, I I lost like 40 to 50 pounds in like probably three to four months span. That's crazy. That is crazy. That's commitment right there. Yeah. I mean, I was locked in because I, I, the thing is, I thought 
last year was going to be my final year of school. So like I pretty much put all my heart, all my effort into that. And then I got blessed with a whole another seventh year. So now I got to pretty much use everything I learned from this past year for this year. So what do you think your, like your focus is right now on the court, your game? I think the biggest right now, it's coming off an injury. The biggest thing is just overcoming that mental block. Um, just like, obviously and when did you tell your ACL like like recently yeah so I'm um the seventh will be seven months and I got two more months left so yeah it's you that already, you've been cleared or no no I'm not cleared yet so the biggest thing is whenever you're coming back from that type of injury is just like everybody's gonna tell you you're fine you're healthy this and that but you will not feel healthy for like another year and a half and that's the biggest thing I'm trying to get over right now is like okay cool the doctor's saying I'm good training the conditioning coach saying like my body looks better than ever I'm healthier than ever but like it's just something about that mind like it will not let you think that it's healthy so like that's just the biggest thing I'm like every workout I'm doing on the court I'm trying to either jump off of it like trying to do something game like stuff just to pretty much get that confidence back so then whenever I'm in those positions I don't have to be timid and have to have those negative thoughts because last year I played at surgery in December on my meniscus and the last like the whole conference slate I was just like I didn't practice. I didn't lift. I didn't do anything. I was just like, I hope I just hope to show up and play good. So like my mindset was just a lot different and I had to train it to like get back to what it is now. Cause obviously going through that kind of stuff, like I didn't realize how scary your mind would be after an injury like that, but it was a life-changing injury for me. It's a big deal. So you got to be able to make sure to overcome that mental block. So I feel like that's just the biggest thing I got to work on right now. Definitely. My mind is like, no, like let's just stop. Your mind just doesn't want you to get hurt again. Yeah, the biggest thing I'm just I'm just like I'm I'm a big believer in like what you what you talk about is what happens. So like I'm putting in the universe like that would be my last injury ever. Like I'm yeah. gonna be healthy and I'm gonna get everything I want. So that's just the biggest thing. Just trying to train my mind and trick my mind to like the bad things are in the past and you know ain't nothing but good things coming forward. What are your goals for you know this season? Because you said it's your last one and you're blessed to be able to get a seventh season. So what are your goals for this upcoming season? My goal is like the way my life is planned out. I don't like I'm not scared of anything or like in terms of what I've accomplished, because obviously me being in this position right now is unthought of. Like I never thought I'd be here seven years in school, like back in Clemson. So, I mean, with that being said, like I'm going for everything uh, I wanted. I'm going for all ACC, making the tournament, um, all academic team. All I was able to get all ACC academic team last year, but that's kind of like obviously the season. So I really wasn't able to do stuff on the court. But in terms of like what I want to accomplish, like, I want to be able to win at a high level. Uh, make a name for myself and just prove that I belong here and prove that I can be an NBA player like I was trying to be two years ago. You said, you know, you started at Charleston and then injured and then you got injured again and then Boston College and then, you know, you got blessed with a seventh year. Like, I feel like that's just like motivation to keep going. Like, you shouldn't oh. just keep stopping. I mean, when you look at the story, it's like for all the hell and adversity I went through, it kept getting better for some reason. Like, in terms of like the school and the situation, like, Started off mid-major at College of Charleston. It was decent. Obviously went to Boston College. Was able to send, spend a whole year there, uh, like get ACC experience. And then now to be able to have a whole another year back in the ACC, back home at Clemson, it's just like really can't, really can't even put that, just how crazy it is. I think it's great that like they're giving you these opportunities, like no matter what, like they believe in you. How do you feel about getting that call or that text message saying like, yeah, we're right. on the team? even after everything that's actually that's actually a big that's actually a good question because I never thought about it like that until you just asked it but like I like people do have to take a chance on me considering like the injuries and you know kind of my history and what I've been through 
Um, so yeah, that's actually, I mean, that actually says a lot. I feel like, I feel like what I bring to the table isn't just on the court though. I feel like a lot of the stuff that I do, I can be a leader in the locker room. I feel like mm -hmm. I've, I feel like I've set myself up and people know me to be a genuine guy and a caring guy. And just like, I just care for others and I want everybody else to succeed around me. So I feel like a lot of it isn't on the basketball side, even though it likes, that's what everybody else in the world sees. But I feel like a lot of it is just being a good guy in the locker room, be, um, like helping the freshmen now, like helping the freshmen grow and develop into what they need to be in. Like, I feel like that's a big reason why people want me around and why people trust me because of what I can bring off the court. Because on the court, obviously, I, like to, today I could get hurt and my career would be over with. But like, off, like, what else do you bring other than making mm -hmm. sure defense and stuff like that? I feel like those are what really, really, I feel like that's what people value in me other than the basketball stuff. Mm -hmm. It's the little yeah. things that matter. Yeah. I feel like just hearing about behind the scenes is what a player is also about too. Yeah. That's, I mean, I feel like that's what the whole NIL stuff is, is cool now because like mm -hmm. I'm blessed enough to have the funds to be able to like do events with the team. Like this Saturday where I rented a whole, like it's not a bar, but it is a bar, but I don't want to say bar because like a lot of the guys ain't 21, but like it is what it is. But anyway, so like mm -hmm. I'm able to like, I'm able to do fun stuff with the team and like run out places and like enjoy like team quality time and like just have good times, uh, just have a good night with the guys. So like, I feel like a lot of the stuff on the court, like, cause everybody sees the stuff on the court, but like a lot of the stuff off the court is really what, and y'all know how it is. Like if you're, if you're spending quality time and they got good relationships off the court, on the court, the stuff is just going to flow naturally. Yeah. For sure. How's, how's your guys um team chemistry? Cause I know sometimes team chemistry could be like, What's really important is it doesn't matter if you have this many good players, or this many good players. It matters if you guys can all play together. Right. I think that was honestly what was the most surprising thing about coming down here is the chemistry. Obviously, uh, we were I was in the ACC last year and they were in the ACC. So we played against each other. We're familiar with each other. So in terms of them knowing my personality, yeah, that kind of was already known. So kind of just I kind of just stepped in and obviously they respected me. I respected them because we competed against each other last year. Um, and then they're obviously a lot more jokey and childish than I thought. And I'm just that same way. Like, I love to joke around and be goofy and stupid. So it, we, it's been a perfect fit. And, you know, ever since day one, we just everything has just flowed smoothly. Your brother recently uh, played f um, football there. So is there any correlation of you going there or how did you end up at Clemson? Well, I wanted to be at Clemson since since I was probably like 12 or 13 years old. Obviously, I didn't get offered out of high school. Um, and then my brother ended up going there and then he actually had another year, but he was tired of school. He was, he was ready to move on from that. He was, he felt like he was, hey, he, he, he's a whole different person. <laughs> <laughs> different than me. He's a lot different than me, but, uh, but yeah, so he pretty much just wanted to get out of school, kind of like live an adult life, be mature in that aspect. So, um, so yeah, so obviously, but he didn't know that I was going to get another year back. Cause I think if he knew I was going to, I was, if I would have got another year back, he probably would have stayed. Mm -hmm. just because obviously that just worked out perfectly but I didn't know I had another year back until April 1st and then he would by that time he'd been made his decision that he was done with school with after like I mean like early January so kind of really wasn't it really it wasn't into the talks about like why I came here or nothing like that I really just wanted to come here to be close to home and obviously play for Clemson. So just some advice for you know younger kids who have people doubt them but they want to make it to the level you're at right now. I think the biggest thing is honestly, you got to just believe in yourself. Uh, Cause obviously, and then the thing is, I feel like don't tell your goals and dreams to everybody. I think that's the biggest thing I would suggest because negative energy seeps into you, whether you want to or not. And it's, uh, it's going to get into your mind. So like, 
if I'm telling people that are closed-minded that, yeah, I'm being the NBA, and then obviously they're going to be like, no, you're not. Like, you're from inner South Carolina. You're from a small town. and Nobody even knows who you are. Like, obviously, that's going to seep into your mind. You're going to start to believe those things, like, subconsciously, whether you believe it or not. So I think the biggest thing with me growing up was I would tell people, and I'll be openly about it, and it eventually started affecting my confidence and, like, my belief in myself just because, obviously, everybody knew what I was trying to do, and then I would hear other people be like, you're not going to do that. You're not capable of that. You're not good enough. You're not worthy enough. So obviously with that being said, if you have those dreams and goals, work for it. But at the same time, don't voice it to everybody just because you don't want those negative thoughts and voices to seep into your mind. And obviously that can affect you. Like it's affected me. I remember getting on social media after some of the games this year, seeing tweets about me. And I used to be like, dang, bro, like people are really crazy out here. Like people really don't care about me as a person. They just want me to, if I can't make shots, I'm worthless to them. And I used to see the crazy things about it. So like, you can't really go off other people's opinions and how they think about things. So kind of just keep things to yourself. And I feel like that's just the best way to do it nowadays. Yeah. Cause that Twitter stuff is crazy. Do not get on Twitter after a bad game. I went like one for 15 against Syracuse. Boy, I would never get on Twitter again after a bad game. <laughs> fans, I feel like fans don't understand. Like you guys are cool. Like you guys are people. That's what, but that's what I tell them because every time I, every time I talk to a fan, I'm like, bro, but whenever you fuck up my order at Wendy's, I'm not going to go in there and spaz on your ass for me. <laughs> Cheeseburger. I'm not finna do that. But whenever I miss a shot, you're gonna get mad at me and tweet about it. Okay, bet. I'm gonna start doing that to y'all. <laughs> All right, so I have a question because I'm dying to know like the What's difference between like being at like a D1 level and then us who are at a D3 level. Do you feed off the crowd? Like, what's your thought on the crowd? Like, does it motivate you? Like, what? Oh, I'm, so glad you, I'm so glad you asked that question because this past year, Boston College. Oh my gosh, they fans was terrible. We have no fan support. I think my senior day, we might have had like 400 people in there. So, like, playing from an atmosphere, and obviously, we had a lot of home games, and like, it was a drastic difference between our home games and our away games. Mm -hmm. So, when we go play, like, when we played here at Clemson last year, like, sold out crowd, like, the student station packed with 60 minutes on the clock, like, the game ain't even started yet. Like, the warm ups ain't even started yet. Student station packed. So, obviously, like, the energy is going to be good. Like, it's just like you want to play in that type of atmosphere. Like, I honestly don't know how some people play in in quiet gyms. Because, like, even during COVID, like, in Charleston, the games that I played in, like, it was decent crowds, but it wasn't packed. And, like, it definitely had an effect on the game. So, like, for some people that have, like, no fans or no – I'm just like, bro, how do y'all do it? I mean, but at the same time, I have nothing but respect because, like, you have to love it. Right. Like, you Regardless. For me, I'm a type of dude that, like, if it ain't no cameras or spotlight around, I'm not going to really enjoy it. Like, that's just not – that's another type of person I am. I need to I need to feed off the energy, the, the cameras, the video, all that type of stuff. See, I can't just walk into a gym, put on a nice fit, and have nobody in there because I'm gonna be like, what am I doing here? Like, this don't make but if I got but if I know people watching me and I know the fans engaged, I'm gonna put on my Kobe's, make sure my haircut look nice, make sure the fit look good, all that type of stuff. So that definitely is a big part of me though. And I feel like being here this year, that's what I'm excited for, just because like playing in the ACC and these, like going to North Carolina, going to Duke, like it's insane. That's one for the books for sure. Really, that's you. You, you're the that's, I literally yeah. feed off of every that's like every negativity, positivity. Like you talk, please talk trash. Come, come at me. All, like I, I dare you. I dare you. Warm ups, bro. I'm talking so much trash to the situation just for for no reason. I ain't got nothing. I'm just talking to him because I know it's gonna get me going. Yeah, that's funny. I love that answer. That is that is uh, that is probably one of the biggest the biggest parts. I mean, the best part is about sports in general, though. That's why I think that's why COVID messed up a lot. Because mm -hmm. the experience of it, and I'm, 
And like, as bad as I hate to say it, but like, I'm happy I got hurt that year. Because mm-hmm. I only played four games that COVID year. And like, I just remember sideline watching the games and I'm just like, bro, this atmosphere is dead. Like, I'm happy I'm not playing, honestly, just because like, it wasn't fun. Like all the phone was taken out of it. Right. Yeah. The mask during the practice and the games, that was probably the worst thing you could ever do, bro. To an me- to a human being, like that was awful. That was insane because I'm just, are they really making us do this? And you practice every day and live in the same dorm with everybody and live in the same apartment? Like, come on, yo. Yeah, it made no sense. That was, The breathing was crazy, especially like after runs, like your mask is all sweaty. I'm like, I can't do this. No, but what, extra skincare routine. You said what? <laughs> then I have to do an extra skincare routine because yeah. the mask are. Facts, facts. I was getting dummy pimples around the face. Facts, acne crazy. But the, what really had me tied about the whole COVID stuff was how they kept changing the protocol. Like at first it was what, 14 days after you got it, then it was 10 days, and then now it's like five. So yeah. I'm just like, whole time, well, it could have been five days quarantine instead of 14. Because like in 2020, it was 14 days, and now it's five, or it's now, now it's nothing. So do you have like a, when you were younger, who was your, you know, your goal, your favorite player? You always watched them. Oh, definitely Curry. Uh, I remember the first time, because a lot of bandwagon Curry fans, and I was a band, I would say I'm a bandwagon fan, but like I saw him play in college. They played at the Bobcats Arena. That was a long time ago. Um, Charlotte Bobcats, uh, whenever they were around. So they played at the Bobcats Arena against like NC State, I believe. I can't remember what year he was in school, but I was, I was in middle school or younger than that. So I remember when to see him play. And ever since then, that's been my, that's been my guy, just because like we got the same type of frame, like both around six two, both really not that athletic, but both can shoot the ball at a high level. And I feel like I'm, I feel like I can shoot, not like his level, but I feel like I can get there one day, hopefully. Yeah. Uh, like in terms of like just the IQ and skill part of it, I feel like we're both similar in that aspect. And that's what I try to model my game after. So that's definitely my goal. Yeah. Are you a Warriors fan? And he's, NBA player to get a unanimous MVP, so he's a GOAT. Yes. Yep. Uh, I'm not a Warriors fan, but I like Clay and Poole now. So, and Draymond occasionally. Draymond brings that different type of to the. Brevin, thank you so much for joining this podcast. We really appreciate it. We enjoyed your story, and I can't wait for everyone else to hear it. Yeah. Podcast going on. I fuck with it. I fuck with the vision. I fuck with the little thing y'all got going on, so I fuck with it. Thank you. I appreciate it.